What's up, everybody? Josh and Jay back with the podcast, America is Blue. Uh, great to be with you to uh, talk a little World Cup. Uh, it's finally here. We're ready to uh, talk about the Blues in the tournament. Uh, we are going to be doing a little uh, preview of the U.S. versus Wales, which you know I'm very excited about. Uh, but before we we do you know get into the good stuff, um, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk a little bit about the shit show that uh, you know Qatar hosting the World Cup has been thus far, and what we expect to see moving forward. Uh, so with that in mind, per usual, Jay, back into the swing of things, you get the first word around here. What do you think about the shit show down there? I think this has been a mess from the second that it was announced that Qatar, Qatar, I'm not exactly, I, I did, I read an article this morning on CNN that took me about yeah. 15 minutes and I still have no idea how to say that correctly. <laughs> um, from the second that this was announced, there was talks of corruption. There was, it, it felt like there was a dark cloud that was kind of forming over this. And the shame eight of it years, is that, man, it's been eight years just to the, give you yeah, some perspective there. Yeah. The shame of this is that, the World Cup comes around once every four years. This is truly, I mean, I'd say above and above, above and beyond the Olympics, this is the sporting event that truly galvanizes the masses across the world. I mean, from all four corners and brings fans of the most popular sport in the world together for just enjoyment. And that's really what this should be about. And it sucks. I mean, I know you and I, we don't want to be talking about this. I'm sure that most other pundits, maybe some people do want to be talking about this, but I want the focus to be about the players, the play on the field, you know, pr projections, predictions. Like this is what we want to be focusing on. And unfortunately, we're kind of caught up in this mess. So between, I don't want to, you know, the human rights component of this, I, I think this is it's, really, it's, I feel like it's subjective. It's, it's bad there, obviously, but it's probably bad in most areas of the world when we hold it up to a certain standard. But just the, all of it coming into this, the the issue that happened earlier today in one of their zones where there was almost a crush of people, uh, the last second announcement of no beer drinking in the stadiums, which in the grand scheme maybe isn't the biggest of deals, but it's been this long and you come down to two days before the event kicks off and this occurs. You a little know, bit of a bait and switch in there, maybe from a business perspective. Yeah. And, and then, and then, we have the opening game of this and the fans from Qatar pretty much leave at halftime and we have a vacant stadium. So again, this is a country that is the size of the state of Connecticut that was ill-equipped to be able to host an event of this magnitude. There was probably a lot of palms grease and it's really, really unfortunate that we're in this predicament. Uh, probably a lot of palms grease might be the understatement of the century, but thanks for the hot take there, uh, Jay, bringing the heat. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, no, I mean, it's a, it's a, the opening ceremony monologue, uh, by the president was, it was a disaster. Uh, all the aspects of, you know, beer tents being moved to, to you know, to your point, a lot of the logistical issues, uh, I, I saw Danish broadcasts being interrupted and, all sorts of, of crazy things like that. And you're going to see more of it. And the bottom line is this. Hey, guys, when you're opening the doors of your country to the world and inviting everybody in, uh, you know, there is a fine line between hospitality and totalitarianism. So uh, maybe figure out a nice, happy medium uh, to let the people do what the people do when they're used to coming from, you know, free Western nations predominantly and uh, let them get down. Because if, if you're not expecting that, 
then, you know, to your point, you're ill-equipped to be hosting a, an event of this magnitude, especially when we're talking about human rights violations and LGBTQ folks being under the microscope for all sorts of different reasons, being afraid to travel to places uh, to go watch soccer matches. Not a great mix. A um, little bit toxic. Might want to check the formula. So yeah, bro, uh, we've all seen locked up abroad and they're like, we're not going to persecute anybody. Nobody's going to go to jail for being who they are. But there are laws on the books that can send you to jail for the rest of your life. No, nobody, nobody wants any piece of that. You know, the, the, the grounds and the, they did a, I've seen videos of the living quarters in the facilities there. And this is basically like, this makes like white, white trash trailer parks look like the Taj Mahal. It, it, I mean, it is atrocious. And lastly, the last thing I'll throw out here, and I'll let you have the last word on it, and we'll move on to the fun stuff. It is hot as hell in the Middle East. <laughs> this is a warm place. It's just and in. I ju- Dude, I just saw this thing where they're like, please try to respect our culture. We want everybody's shoulders covered. We want clothing to go down oh, to yeah. past a particular point. Like, I think past the knee. It's like, bro, it is so goddamn hot here. No, I'm, if I want to wear a wife beater and I want to go cheer on my team, I'm going to do it. And if you want to get the collective world into your country to bring attention to and to bring exposure to your sporting nation and what you guys are about, bro, pump the brakes on all of this for a month and then go back to business as usual. I mean, you're going to have to grin and bear it, guys. That, that's that's just that's what that's what freedom's like. So you can you can have your squeeze once everybody else leaves. But, yeah, you're, you're probably going to have to to deal with some with some exposed shoulders, maybe a kneecap Ooh. here or there. Mm. What a nightmare. I love a kneecap. I love a kneecap. Oh, man. It's, I mean, look, I draw the line at elbows, okay? Uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully they don't have a lotion shortage out there. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, w- moving along. Moving be that along. as it may. And, uh, it, you know, in, in all honesty, of course, we, uh, we, we do uh, give our, our respect and condolences to all the, the folks that had a hard time over there with the, uh, with the migrant worker situation. So, um, move, moving along, uh, one, one thing I do actually want to talk about before we get into the, um, the, the blues into the tournament and the, and the 12 guys that we, we do have going, I want to, to, you know, at least notice the, the four guys that we have injured first, because, yeah. uh, there was a lot of talk about how, you know, Bayern's the club sending, you know, 17 guys and, and all this other stuff. So if we didn't have, uh, you know, four of our guys injured, uh, we would have had 16 guys, uh, in the tournament. So shout out to, uh, you know, Wesley Fofana and N'Golo Kante, uh, who, who we would have, uh, expected to be putting on, uh, French shirts and, uh, participating for the French nationals, the defending champions, uh, and uh, Reese James and the beautiful Ben Chilwell out for uh, for the English uh, squad. So that's uh, that's four internationals who would have played, you know, relatively significant roles. Uh, you can maybe argue for Fauna, maybe not so much, but uh, it's a pretty much a guaranteed lock that NG, Reese, and Chile would have been logging huge minutes uh, for their nations had they been healthy. So shouts out to those guys. For sure. Yeah. All right, so we got twelve, Jay. We got we had twelve boys uh, reporting for duty. I, I figure we should kind of break it down by continent. That that's that's right. sort of the way that I that I that I like talking about it. So uh, first and foremost, let's head to the to the African contingent and the guy that I have in my sights right away is a guy we've been talking about very positively heading into the World Cup, and we I think we're we both think there's a big tournament for him. That's Hakim Ziyech uh, suiting up for the Moroccans. Uh, he goes up against uh, Croatia 
to start his tournament. And everybody saw that amazing highlight goal he had in his tune-up. And if that dude is is dialed in like that, you know, sort of, you know, let's call him Ajax ZH, um, look out because this dude could do some damage and maybe the shackles are off. I think that's exactly it, man. You know, this has got to be so frustrating for him for his last year or so at Chels. He he got, he got some good run in international play, but domestically he's barely gotten any time on the pitch. Um, I think he wants to get out there. And if this is his opportunity right in the middle of a frustrating season, uncage the lion, go out there, play for your country. uh, I think he's going to be able to go out there and let it rip. And even if from what we saw from him in the game against city, and how creative and how crafty that man can be, and just how dangerous his left foot is. You know, I, I don't know if Morocco's going to make any serious noise in this tournament, but I do expect to see some really nice performances out of Hakeem. So I wish him all the best. Well, and, you know, he gets to step in and he's he's the man. You know, like there, there's a, I think there's a big difference when, you're, you you know, you're kind of the Michael Jordan of your team, uh, the, the really the, the quarterback of the of the football team um, might, might, be a, might be a better... Um, a better example, but I just, I really think that he's got a, a big opportunity here because he's the type of guy that can really, really benefit from a huge tournament. I mean, anybody can, but uh, let's face it. He, he's been lost in the wash. He, he's probably out at shells after this year. And if we can, you know, start to build him back up and, and get that, that fee uh, and, and that exposure a little bit higher, uh, it could pay some, uh, some literal dividends for the club. So uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mo- Moving on to the uh, to the other uh, African set of, of fellows that we got playing for Senegal, we have uh, Koulibaly and uh, Mendy suiting up. A couple of tremendously huge, towering figures uh, for their nations who open up against the Netherlands. And also, uh, unfortunately, the Senegalese will be playing without their talisman, uh, Sadio Mane. So, shouts out to him. Um, you know, we we hate seeing the great players, the brightest you know, stars getting injured heading into the tournament. So a uh, real shame that we're not going to be able to see him, but the Senegalese team are are very good. Been playing together for a while. Uh, African champions. So I, I'm yes. really looking forward to seeing what, the, what they're going to put out there. They're one of my dark horse teams. I, I think they can make some noise in this. They're in the right type of group. I mean, obviously I think the Netherlands is more than likely going to be, you know, the finalists or they're, they're going to be the winner of their group. I think Senegal is going to finish right below them, even without Sadio Mane. Uh, these guys, they play together. They just came off of a major tournament win. Um, they've still got a ton of talent. I, I really want to make sure that Koulibaly comes out of this healthy, selfishly for the Blues. Of but course. I think that they can make some noise in this, and I actually think that they're going to be coming out of the group. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you know what, what could be interesting is some of these, yeah, specifically the African teams, these guys are used to playing in really hot conditions, you know, some of the tougher, like sort of arid, arid conditions. And I don't know if people are are really thinking about that as much. I don't know. It wasn't a, a huge focus of mine until I, I really started get, getting into the books. But uh, a, a lot of the games that we play in the Premier League and stuff are obviously in cold weather. But maybe some of these other guys who are, are playing in, in, in tougher climates or, or different climates or have been used to training in those types of environments uh that could really pay some dividends as as the tournament goes on in terms of conditioning and just sort of knowledge of your body under those extreme conditions i mean it's gonna i mean these guys you know mendy and koulibaly have been playing in england but you're 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 right it's i think the average temperature in in doha over this period of time is going to be highs in the mid 80s so this isn't you know, there's a reason why this thing is being played in in November going into December okay. and not at a different time of the year where everybody would just be falling over from heat stroke. 
Um, but that said, there are going to be certain players that are going to be more acclimated to these conditions, which means less cramping. It means less dehydration issues, uh, less fatigue over the course of a tournament. They could certainly have a bit of an edge over, you know, players that are playing in Belgium and in the UK and in the US, et cetera. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so guys playing in Belgium, let's, let's move to Europe then. Um, We've got uh, a bunch of different nations represented uh, on the European side. And uh, first is our, our Spanish skipper, uh, the great Dave Cesar Azpilicueta. Uh, probably not going to be seeing a lot of Dave out there, but it's, it's great to see him get a chance to put on his national team shirt and march out in a World Cup. Yeah, if Spain has a shot of making a run here, I mean, they're a really young, inexperienced team. If they have a shot of making a run, it's going to be because they have a couple of guys on the squad who can play the father figure role, come in there with a tremendous amount of experience. And Dave absolutely fits that. I mean, I remember years ago when Mourinho was like, if I had 12 Cesar Espelicuetas on my team, we can compete anywhere. You need guys like that on your team. You need somebody who's going to be in the training grounds, hustling every single moment of it to show these young guys what it takes in order to accomplish something that's that, that could be remarkable. So I don't think Spain, I don't think they're quite at their previous levels where they were you know, perennial contenders to be champions for this sort of thing. But if they are going to make a deep run into this thing, they're going to need people like Dave in order to keep the young guys in the right mind frame. Well, I mean, he's definitely a dressing room glue guy. So, I mean, he's got that in spades. What, what, a, what a tremendous leader. And uh, we, we, we do have to make one comment uh, just to talk about how great of a blue Dave really is. And he said he would never trade all of his trophies that he's won at Chelsea for, for a world title with Spain. So uh, I, I think his his heart is in the right place, and he's a he's a legend in in West London for a reason. And just always huge shouts out to uh, to Dave. We love him. And uh, m- moving down to uh, the Germans, Die Mannschaft, uh, they've got our mercurial borderline superstar Kai Havertz. Um, and my hot take, if I may, on Kai Havertz, he's got a lot of Mesut Ozil Germany in him. Because I don't know if you remember this, but Mesut Ozil turned on, you know, the number eight German shirt and he became Superman. Some of the games and the passes and, and the stuff that he was playing in a, in, a, in a Germany shirt were just unbelievable. And Kai has a lot of that when he's when he's when he's playing for Germany. He just really ups it, uh, you know, another level. And I, I would expect him to have a huge tournament. And if Germany is going to go far, he's definitely going to be a part of that. There's two Kai Havertz, and one of them looks yes. lethargic and slow and lazy and disinterested, and the other one just looks like silky smooth and just rips your heart out. We see a lot less of that with Chelsea. We're dying for more of it because we know it's in there. But when he's playing for Germany, he is he is that killer. And I think they're going to play him in his more natural roles. He's not going to have to lead the line. He's probably going to be playing just behind whoever's going to be there center forward. He can work with the wingers. He'll be able to go in and poach goals. I think we're going to see a big tourney for Kai. And he's another one of these guys who's had a rough start to the beginning of the Premier League. This is, you know, again, it's a breath of fresh air where you're going around your countrymen, you're playing for your flag. You're going to be able to go out there and show people what's what. And Germany as a team, they're they're always a tough out. Just that their style of play is just surgical and efficient and direct. And there's not a lot of useless passing going on. I mean, everything has intention to it. So I think all of those guys, they, you know, they know the style, 
They know how they're going to be able to get on top of other clubs who aren't quite ready for it. I think Kai's going to be a benefactor of that. Oh, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, and actually, uh, shout out to Timo Werner as well. Um, yeah. the, the, the great player for us for, for a while, got a great motor, very industrious player also plays extremely well in his national team shirt. Uh, sorry to, to see Timo pick up a knock so close to, uh, the beginning of the tournament. Uh, we, we hope that he recovers quickly and continues to have success, uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, but then moving down to, to, uh, you know, of course, one of my personal favorites, the great Mateo Kovacic going to be taking his place in the midfield right next to the legendary Luka Modric as they take on Morocco. And I think that that's a great midfield pairing. Uh, I think that is a world-class midfield pairing. And I think the two of them uh, can do a, a lot of damage. Of course, we know what a legend Modric is. And this is another guy who's got a really, really huge chance here to put his stamp uh, on the tournament and raise his profile. And that's Mateo Kovacic. For, for the World Cup, and I would say for Euros, any big international tournament, um, I think it is so much more important for a club in order to advance out of the group stages and to be able to do damage once they get into the final 16. You need to have a really solid midfield and you have to be sound defensively. You, If you have those two things, you can get things done. It says something that two of the greatest goal scorers of our lifetimes have not won the World Cup. And they may be playing in their last one. So you could have the best strikers in the world, but if your midfield is getting overrun and you are leaky defensively, it doesn't matter. So bringing that back to Croatia, they've done some great things in international tournaments, and it's because of the strength of their midfield. Luka Modric, arguably, I don't know, top five at his position all time. The guy has just gotten better with age. He's timeless. Uh, I think Mateo fits in nicely with him. And the Croatians have... They're a team who've lost a couple of their elder statemen, but this is a team that knows each other extremely well, and they come from a fanatical fan base. So they're going to have support. They know each other. They know what it takes to win and to go deep into this tournament. They're kind of another one I'm keeping my eye on as a dark horse team that could make some noise where people aren't exactly expecting it. I mean, let's not forget they were finalists in, uh, in 2018, that, that unbelievable run. And, uh, you know, that, that was a pretty weak foul on Antoine Griezmann for that first goal. Just saying, not a huge Griezmann guy. <laughs> Don't know if anybody else is. Just I'm just not a huge, huge Griezmann guy. That being said, no, on to the no next. No hearts for you? No hearts on for you? On to the next. Now, I never, never, never really been a fan of his. Uh, I, I, do, I do like Atletico, just not him. Uh, moving on to uh, another surprise, uh, pleasant surprise, at least from, from my perspective. And that's been the play of, of Dennis Zakaria for us so far. Uh, he's going to be suiting it up in the Swiss midfield and they're going to be taking on Cameroon to, to open up. And, uh, he's, he's another guy who's got, uh, again, just a, a real chance to play a different role sort of with his national team and stretch his legs here. The Swiss are like this grinded out team. You know, they'll, they'll be a thorn no in some team size, even though they don't have you know super top talent on their team. I think between we were talking about it earlier. I think we could probably name three stars on their team between Granite, Jaka, him, and and, uh, and Shakiri. Yeah. I don't really know many other Swiss international players, but they always tend to cause problems for the bigger clubs in these tournaments. So uh, I'm happy for Dennis. I think he's going to play a starting role. He's a really physical, imposing, good-looking young player out there who can definitely play DCM. Uh, I'm sure that's probably the position that they're going to have him playing in. 
provide some cover for their back line. You know, let's see what they can do. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're definitely a, a team that can muck it up a little bit, be a challenge yeah, to break spoilers. down. Uh, spoilers. Yeah, and 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 you know, they're they're a well organized side, and it's reflective of sort of the nation uh, as it behaves out there in the world. So uh, we'll we'll see what what the Swiss can do. Uh, and then just to to put a to put a cap on the European contingent, we have to go uh, to the boys from from the UK. Uh, we've got our our poster boy, our star man, uh, Mr. Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, wearing the number ten for England, and uh, one Connor Gallagher, who I do not expect to see uh, on the pitch a tremendous amount, but uh, I would think that Mason and Raheem are going to be in the starting eleven, both making uh, big contributions for England. Yeah, for sure. Mason and Raheem are going to be. They're going to be integral for for what's going to go on with England. I was a little bit surprised. I'm very happy for Connor Gallagher. I mean, I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to go out there. This is going to be a tremendous experience for him. I'm shocked he got selected, though, because I don't think he's going to get much playing time. And I think there were probably some other people who you could slot in in the midfield or um, or add as far as you know center mids or uh, center defenders to provide some depth in that area where they are a little bit. You know, a, a little bit lacking. I was a little bit surprised that he got taken, but nonetheless, you know, pumped that he's going on the trip. Yeah, and uh, I doubt we're going to. You know, they're, they're 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 led by a slightly contra- I don't want to say a controversial manager, but uh, a little bit of an OGs and all shucks. Uh, you know, Gareth Southgate. He kind of seems like a soggy teddy bear or something like that. Kind of somebody that you don't really want around. At least that that's the way that that I read him. Uh, I don't think that he's a great international manager. I don't know if he's got the stuff to really take England all the way uh, because, you know, 1966 is getting farther and farther away. But if you speak to any Brit, it was like it was spring break last summer uh, that, you know, they were they were taking it home and every single team that they've always uh, marched out is the best. I mean, they weren't winning when they had Beckham and Scholes and Lampard and, uh, Steven Gerrard and John Terry and Rio Ferdinand, they still didn't win. So uh, let's see them them bring home some hardware. And let's face it, all the pressure is on England going into this tournament with the expectations oh, yeah. from the media. Oh, they have the most valuable team. And I would like to say this. We all know that the English team is tremendously talented. So many of our boys in blue play for them, and I love a lot of these guys. But the values are a little bit skewed because of that English Premier League premium that you have to pay to buy English players. So because of the value of the league that they play in, it's inherently a little bit skewed. Nonetheless, I like that all the pressure is on them. So let's see if they've got the wherewithal to continue to advance in big tournaments and if Gareth Southgate is the guy that can lead them there. There's a massive gorilla on this team's back. Um there always is. There's always so much pressure from their countrymen for them to be able to go out there and bring home some major international silverware. And you're right. They have fallen short consistently for a very long time. Gareth Southgate is one of these kind of just career losers. <laughs> missing the free, <laughs> missing the penalty kick at the World Cup. Um, the guy yeah. does not have a managerial resume that is worth anything. You and I could put together a resume that would be able to be somewhere in the neighborhood of what he was bringing to the table when he was in charge of this, uh, was appointed to the, to the head of this club. Um, he's a shill for the FA. He's, a, he's, he's basically a mouthpiece. And although I'm all for 
going into tournaments like this with a defensive mindset, I mean, that team has Maseratis on them. I mean, like the, the type of talent that they have, the type of attack that they can unleash and still be very sound in the midfield and still be able to defend well. For you to be able to collapse your entire squad and not let any of these players shine, you've done it now in two tournaments in a row. I think it just speaks to his lack of confidence internally. And I think that that flows through this team. So I do think that they're going to get past the group stage. They might make a run, but when the rubber hits the road and they go up against other top-notch competition with talent that is at their level, I think that is exactly where they fall short. And we just saw it in the Euros. I mean, it's hard to disagree with anything that you just said uh, because those are those are literal statements. It's all it's all factual, and um, you know, and, until they until they do make a final, you know, and 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 put themselves in a chance to win, they're going to be the you know the Dallas Cowboys of international football. They, you know, all, all the all the history, all the pageantry, all the favoritism, all that good stuff, and then then they don't deliver. So. Let's see. Shouts out to you know all our friends across the pond. Uh, let, let, let's see how this all shakes out. Yeah, and that's it. So listen, moving. If if, if, Eng- if England wins this, I'll be thrilled. I would love it for oh, our boys it, to come home with the stroke. hundred percent. I just can't stand Garrett Southgate. I just think he's a yeah. You he, don't he, like this his, guy's not his, a leader. His posh no, waistcoat. There's and... no. There's nothing inside of him. There's no fire. There's just this guy who just sits there. It, he looks like he needs to be in like the royal box. He looks like one of the creepy components of the monarchy and not like a guy who's going to be blood and guts and yeah, he's going to be like, on the touchline getting it done for his guys. He's doing it for posterity, for things that are outside of that locker room where he should be focused on his own boys. So anyway, I hope that they can go ahead and even with the liability of their manager, go and get it done. That would be great. He, he probably knows all the rules to croquet, owns Absolutely. owns an insane amount of vests. Tons. Tons. God. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Forget that guy. Forget that guy. No, we well we All can't right. we can't forget about it. I also I also I'm just gonna place a small wager too. I bet he's great at like clay shooting or something like that. Yes, and, of and, course. And, of course. And he probably owns a hound or something like that. Uh, that that's kind of what I imagine Garrett Southgate being like. Uh so moving on to our to our last two and perhaps the two most important players uh, for their respective sides individually. Moving on to the pillar, to perhaps the greatest defender of a generation, and that is the legendary Thiago Silva suiting up again for the uh, for the Brazilians, the Samba. Dude, yeah, he's definitely he's got to be one of the best ever, if not the best. I mean, it's been such a privilege. I've loved watching him throughout his entire career. Playing for Brazil, there was a little bit of turmoil there with him in the captaincy. And you know, that's another country where, again, the pressure on those players is just absolutely immense. They, that, that country just lives for this sport. And it's everything that they have there. This is the way for you to get yourself out of the favela and go ahead and accomplish something amazing with your life. 100%. Um, so the guy is tremendous. And we have been just blessed even in the twilight of his career to have this guy join us in blue for him to win his champions league with our crest on his chest. So great. It's been an absolute pleasure having this guy be a part of this club for the time that he has been here. And for as long as he wants to stay here, I love the man. I hope Brazil does very well, despite the fact they have Neymar. Um, Tiago Silva is the man. I mean, just an absolute technician. 
a, a class act in every single way. Uh, I mean, the superlatives for this guy are are endless. He deserves every single one. And what's what's amazing is like he's he's better than I thought. He he's and he is. He's just a, a, an absolute machine, a pleasure to watch, and just what an easy person to root for. No one's got a bad word to say about the guy. He he's just he's fantastic. And hats off to him. I hope he has a tremendous performance as well. Yeah, right on. Um, yeah, man. So let's uh, let's get into the good stuff. We're gonna start breaking it down now. So we're we're we're, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, of course, the last and perhaps most important uh, guy that we're we're sending abroad is a is a young man by the name of Christian Pulisic from Hershey, Pennsylvania. He's gonna be suiting up for the United States team, Jay. I didn't know if you knew that. And uh, oh, really? they have a game. Against, uh, let me check, Wales, according to the sheet here, uh, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am absolutely through the roof excited to to, to see us out there. Uh, I did hear that we're wearing our white unis, so that's a great way to start. Uh, we'll be looking crispy out there. Very, very nice. And I know that Wales is more than just Gareth Bale. But uh, if you've got anybody else that you'd like to talk about before we get into the uh, talisman, what else are you seeing and expecting to see from the Welsh? This is not an easy out with them. You know, they have a lot of Premier League talent on this team. I mean, Nico Williams is a good young player. Ben Davis has been around Spurs forever. Uh, Harry Wilson, I believe he started off with Liverpool. He's now with Fulham. Gareth Bale is the talisman. He's super dangerous. He's always up for a big goal and a big moment. Uh, Daniel James, you got Danny Ward and Wayne Hennessy. They've been playing in the Premier League for quite a yep. while. Um, one danger man I do want to mention, and this is not somebody who I think is going to take over the tournament, but in, in certain moments in close games could make an impact. But Kiefer Moore from Bournemouth. Oh, yeah. Big dude. Six, big dude. Six foot five. Bournemouth use him like this. Toward the end of the game, you need a goal. He's a guy who can just collapse your center mids. He's big, he's physical, he's good in the air. So if they're in a locked-up game coming down to the wire, I think you're going to see a little bit of Kiefer Moore in there to go ahead. And he might be able, if, if, if Bale can make it a full 90, if he's fit enough to be able to do so, you're going to have two guys in there that are very dangerous on set pieces. So I think uh, Kiefer Moore is one to look out to, but Gareth, Gareth Bale is definitely your danger man. Well, and some of the other names that you listed off there, I mean, Daniel James, Gareth, these are pacey guys, man. These, these dudes can run uh, super, super, super quick. Uh, so they are. They, they, I mean, they're a dangerous side. The other thing that I think is sometimes lost on our American brethren, and this is not to sound patronizing, is you got to qualify for this shit. You, you know, you, you got to be good. All, all these teams are really good. There's not going to be a, a, an easy out short of Qatar, but that's another story for another day. But, uh, you know, by and large, these these teams are all going to be talented because they had to earn the right to be here. Uh, you, you could you could make a, a list out of the teams that are not uh, here. You know, Riazuri being one of them. Uh, shouts out to the Italians for winning the Euros but not being able to qualify for this. So if those guys are sitting at home, uh, that's an indication of the type of talent and what it takes, I think, to to qualify. So just the fact that the Welsh are, are in the tournament, uh, I think, speaks volumes about the, the type of players that they have and the, the team that they put together from a chemistry perspective. Yeah, the group itself is tough, man. I mean, we, we, we spoke at, at length about England. 
The Welsh haven't been in this in years. Yes, so it's like 54. Gonna, is that a 1954, yeah, I want to say? They're going to be coming in here fired up. Crazy. You know, Iran, they went on a run. They, they looked great in the last World Cup. They were. They did. I mean, they didn't advance out of the group stage, but I think they were, they were in there with Portugal and I believe another team. And they played these guys tough. So this is by no stretch a gimme for the USA um, or for England for that matter. Everybody's going to have to be on point here and make sure that they are collecting as much as they can from each game in order to make sure that they can advance. Any of these teams, any two of these teams can make it through. Completely agreed. Uh, you know, the the main guys that I really think are going to be important for us, of course, without a doubt, it's it's Christian Pulisic, it's Weston McKinney, it's Tyler Adams. But without sounding redundant, I really think the guy who's the difference maker for us is Yunus Musa. I really think that he's the type of player that we haven't had in, in years past, where a Tyler Adams sort of slots into that Jermaine Jones sort of defensive player uh, you know, a, a good presence, but we haven't had a midfielder because Michael Bradley wasn't that guy either. A dangerous midfielder with dribbling skills in the midfield, who's a little bit more of a physical presence that can get the ball ahead to the Christian Pulisics and to the Geo Reynas. That's been one of the missing links, I think, for us over the course of these years. And we talk about the importance of midfield play, especially at the international level. And I really think that this is the type of tournament and the place where he can shine. Uh, if he is playing behind Pulisic, which I really think uh, he he should. Uh, I think the link up between Musa and Pulisic is going to be the difference in the game. Yeah, our biggest issue is we we don't score enough goals, and mm-hmm. I think this is this is such an opportunity for Christian Pulisic because he he shows well for the U.S. I mean, he plays great for country, for club. The, you know, we always want more. We see the greatness in these spurts, and we always just want more of that and more consistency with this game, but we don't always get it. And he's now played for a number of different managers who have kind of seen that same thing. And I, I and we talk about this a lot, but is he the sixth man or is he a starting caliber player? Um, leaving all that aside, you know, he has an opportunity now to really take this one by the throat. If he can go out there and he can be that killer and he can have that confidence and put teams away and get us on the board, this would be immense for him. I think not only for what this means for, you know, USMNT football, but also for what his career is going to look like, whether he stays with Chelsea or if he ends up going to find other pastures, which I hope he doesn't do. So I think he's a big player. I think Gio Reyna, he's another type of guy when we're talking about link-up play, even though he's a forward, as we're progressing the ball up the field, that guy's got creativity and droves. Uh, Weston McKinney, he's good for all of the above. He's good with the ball at his feet. He can score the odd goal. Um, I think we're going to need it from those guys to be able to get, you know, we're going to need those guys to get the ball into the back of the net. Cause I don't feel tremendously confident. And I don't think that we have a world-class striker on this team. So we're going to have to figure it out from elsewhere. Uh, I mean, agreed. We don't have a world-class striker uh, without a doubt. We're going to have to manufacture goals, but I really do believe that we have some talent to get that done. So I'm looking forward to, to talking about the predictions here. I'll uh, I'll let you go first, but uh, I'd like to hear a scoreline uh, from you and a, and a prediction. I think this is going to be a messy, greedy game. Again, I don't think that there's going to be a ton of goals. Uh, I am going to say it's going to be a yucky 1-1 draw. Oh, yucky. Everybody, yucky, everybody loves yucky. 
a yucky well, you know what? one more I don't draw. Gi- I don't give a yuck what you say because I'm going straight homer. I'm going straight heart. I think Pulisic gets a goal. I think we get a goal from open play. We also get a Walker Zimmerman header uh, from a set piece. I'm going 2014 John Brooks ish. I think uh, we're we're getting a, a header from Walker Zimmerman to win the game. Two one U.S. getting three points, getting everything off to a good start. I am wildly optimistic, but I think this is a game. If we're going to win one early, getting off to a good start is just a is is everything for us. And setting a marker down, getting three points in the group, and I think it's also to our advantage that. Uh, Iran is playing England first. So if they get smoked and then we get sort of Iran on the back end, uh, that, that might hold up well for us. So we'll have to, we'll have to see how that goes, but I'm going two one United States of America. I don't think your prediction was detailed enough. So when Pulisic scores, is it right foot, left foot off the noggin? You know what? I'll let you guys leave that to your own interpretations, (laughs) but be that as it may, he's getting one and Walker Zimmerman header to win the game. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. I'll hold myself to it. So uh, we appreciate everybody. Uh, really looking forward to uh, watching the game tomorrow. What an exciting time. Uh, I really look forward to uh, breaking it down uh, to, on tomorrow night's episode after the uh, 2-1 victory. And I can stomp on my uh, colleague's grave about how my predictions are so fanciful yet so correct. So uh, tune in tomorrow, see if I'm right. But in the meantime, everybody enjoy the game, enjoy your night, and we'll talk to you then.